Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. BP published a very strong set of results. A measure they call underlying replacement cost profit came in at $14.7 billion for the first half, compared to $5.4 billion in the same period last year. High oil prices mean BP and other producers are making big money, but on aggregate there doesn't seem to be much investment going into increased production capacity. And ordinarily one might expect you would see such investment. Oil analyst Robert Maxwell is on the line now for more. Morning Robert. Good morning. Let's talk a bit more about production capacity. Is, is that a fair assessment I've made there? What's going on with the industry? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, what we're seeing o- over the latest kind of earnings calls, uh, the energy sector in general is outperforming versus other sectors. We're seeing record profits, as you mentioned, across the spectrum of oil majors and big oil companies. And really, this is driven by two things. Number one is the refinery margins, the profits that the companies are selling their refined fuels over the cost of the crude oil. And also the trading environment, the record prices that we saw until recently on the back of the Ukrainian crisis created more volatility, more arbitrage opportunities. And while uh, in, typically uh, over the last kind of 10 years or so, uh, the big oil companies had been uh, CapEx spending had been a relatively high percentage on production, that's now come down to less than half versus 10 years ago. And the priority now is very much returning cash to shareholders via buybacks and dividends as opposed yeah. to increasing their capital expenditure. Uh, but so but isn't, isn't that has, amazing, Robert? Isn't that amazing when oil prices are this high that you would take the decision not to maintain your, your, your capital expenditure outlay? Yeah, in a way it is. I mean, what we're seeing, I mean, the IEA, the International Energy Agency, had a, a zero mandate that they that they published last year. And really what we're seeing on the one side is that the, the, the capex on actual fossil fuel production has come down in, in, in what they've asked, in line of what they've asked. But at the same time, the increase in production on the renewables, the climate transition projects that we're hoping to see, wind power, the battery, electric vehicle charging points, et cetera, et cetera, that, that that, that investment as a percentage of the overall pie has actually come down. So it, it, it is amazing. It, 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 it's, it's, it's obviously disappointing, particularly as we go through a cost of living crisis at the moment. It makes things uh, quite difficult for all of us. Yeah, well, oh, I mean, understandably, there's this pressure because of the, the, the problem we have with climate change that people want to use less fossil fuels. Has that, though, Robert, translated into reduced oil usage on a global level? In, in recent months, it has. So what we've seen recently, as we're all aware, the macro uncertainty has come straight into play again. We've had recessionary concerns across developed European countries. We've had manufacturing indices have disappointed. We've had Chinese factory output, which is disappointed. We did have the flare up of COVID in June in Asia, which definitely curtailed demand to your point. And at the same time, the rising interest rate environment, US increasing by 75 basis points uh, over the last couple of weeks. And then from an Irish standpoint, inflation at 9.6%. It does make it difficult to, to have confidence to go out and spend when we see these kind of headlines and, and, this, yeah. and this impact in but, our bottom but, line. But that, isn't that more sort of just a natural reduction in demand that, that one would see according to the ebb and flow of the economy? It's not really sort of a big green move away from oil, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and even on, on a seasonal basis, I mean, coming into the winter, you would typically see 
uh, let less demand for oil in general. You, refinery margins generally come down. They're the main buyers of the crude oil. And, and in addition, then you have the, the turnaround schedules and various different maintenance, which so typically Q4 is a seasonal uh, downswing in demand in any case. But what we're seeing for next year now on the back of this macro uncertainty, 2023 oil demand forecasts have also come down to around plus 2%, which is lower than what we've seen this year. It's still positive, don't get me wrong, but the expectations for next year have come down uh, in line with this uh, economic environment. And I think that's what's been weighing on the oil price recently. It hasn't fully yeah. been reflected in the petrol pump, but the, the oil prices have come down 10 to 15 percent or so. Yes, yeah, so you, you mentioned there you, ex- you expect positive oil demand next year, even if it's lower than had previously been expected. The picture, it seems to me, is demand, while it ebbs and flows a bit, it's still pretty much as high as ever. But at the same time, production capacity is stagnating. What is the consequence of that for the consumer, Robert? Exactly. Well, that, that's that's exactly it. So, I mean, when you look at the the oil demand uh, forecast for next year, it's about 101.5 million barrels per day. So, it's a healthy growth. Production, as you said, is the issue. Production has been quite stagnant. If you look at the U.S. Uh, crude production picture, for example, the the latest production data shows about 11.6 million barrels per day, but that's still about 1.25 million barrels per day below pre-COVID levels. So Mm. there has been a real struggle, arguably it's due to chronic underinvestment, particularly in certain OPEC countries like Nigeria, Angola, Venezuela, for example, as well. So that leads to to, to your point to to a medium-term, fairly constructive outlook in the oil price. I mean, it, it takes time for the the, the re- reduction in investment to actually trickle through into lower production and it's even harder to increase to turn the taps back on again so demand still looks fairly constructive for next year yeah. all things considered right now of course clearly you, clearly you, um clearly there are there are major structural factors that that would tend to keep the oil price higher than than we might otherwise expect let's go through uh some of the detail on on individual countries and and, and what's going on uh, with production and i might might start actually with with the oil majors i mean I mean, I can understand they're coming under shareholder pressure that they need to be part of the energy transition, etc., etc. But is it the case as well, Robert, that it's increasingly difficult if you did want to increase production capacity? It's increasingly difficult to fund that just because the banks are saying, sorry, we're under pressure too. We're not going to fund new fossil fuel infrastructure. Well, that, that, that's exactly what the issue is. And, and that's why we're seeing the priority of these big oil companies has changed to returning cash to the shareholders as opposed to investing in fossil fuel production investments. There has been a notable increase in, I guess, pledges, you would say, to invest in the EV charging, the wind power, uh, etc. For example, I think BP came out recently with an £18 billion pledge to invest in these renewables. But of course, more can be done and, and we need to see other other companies uh, step up with similar pledges or mandates to, to invest in, 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 in alternatives. So for sure, fossil fuels is out of vogue now. It's difficult to, to to, to raise money or even to get investor appetite for these kind of uh, oil-related investments. Yeah. And, and I think investors are now kind of uh, encouraging or, or, or mandating for more uh, climate-focused initiatives going forward. And, and if we look at the US and what's going on there with production, you've, you've alluded to it already, is this kind of problem that they have there, is, is that a function of this thing we're just talking about, this move to, uh, to reduce carbon emissions? 
Yeah, I think it is partially. And then obviously you had the political standpoint as well. President Biden recently traveled to Saudi Arabia over the last couple of weeks. And, and what they've actually uh, introduced was an SPR release, a strategic uh, petroleum reserve uh, release of one million barrels per day over the course of six months from April yeah, to October. That was, that, yeah, that was Biden's big wheeze, but that was a bit laughable, exactly. wasn't it? I mean, that's, that's, not, that's only a drop of the ocean. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the point being that uh, uh, they're they're trying to reduce the oil price there uh, on the back of on the back of consumer demand and obviously the record gasoline prices that we've seen. So uh, I think g- g- going forward, uh, it's unlikely the OPEC meeting is today. It's unlikely they're going to uh, succumb to that pressure and increase production yeah. dramatically simply because of these recessionary concerns we've just discussed. And any reduction in oil demand uh, going forward, it, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to increase production too much at the moment, despite the pressures of President. Biden and others. Yeah, well, certainly you can understand why OPEC will, will be cautious about about increasing production capacity. Within that group, though, it does seem to be the Saudis are kind of the ones who, who are doing a bit in this regard. Exactly, yeah. So they've been increasing in line. Basically, they're, they're trying to unwind the COVID-related output cuts that they that they introduced when COVID actually uh, uh, begun uh, two years ago. So they've, they've been increasing production in line with the rest of OPEC by about 300 to 400,000 barrels per day every month. But actually, that's below what the what they had mandated to do. And, and I guess analyst concerns now is, well, can they actually physically increase their output by much more? Officially, their spare capacity of Saudi Arabia and UAE is estimated at about 3 million barrels per day. But I think what, what many uh, forecasters and analysts are suggesting is that actually the, the the spare capacity may only be about one million to one point five million barrels per day, so considerably less than what the official estimates suggest. And ultimately, what it means is that there is less wiggle room or less swing yeah. oil um, movements going forward. If if we do see a sharp increase in price, there is less spare capacity to release back into the market. And what's going on with the rest of OPEC? I mean, you mentioned Nigeria earlier. That's one I've heard heard about where, you know, there have been issues with, with the infrastructure that's there. What's the problem with, with other member countries that they can't step in and, and increase their output? Yeah, well, I think it's similar across many of the OPEC countries. It's really down to, as you alluded to earlier, the chronic underinvestment over 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 the last decade or so. So Nigeria is kind of front and center because they produce more than than the others. Uh, but then you have Angola, Venezuela, um, you have obviously Iraq and, and Iran, which is offline at the moment due to the U.S. Uh, sanctions. But then, interestingly, on, on a positive note, Libya. They've just doubled their their oil production over the last couple of weeks. They had a force majeure, or they had a an, an unexpected output reduction, and the national oil company there just came out yesterday uh, informing that their oil production had increased back up to 1.2 million barrels per day again. So yeah. I guess that's the uh, that's the green shoot and all yeah. this. And again, I suppose the issue for these countries as well is the getting the money off the banks if you wanted to to fund some of this infrastructure spend uh, i'm sure is proving more and more difficult so it's clear exactly uh, the 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 structural factors in the market do indicate we're probably looking at a high oil price for quite some time we leave it there robert thanks very much for joining us this morning that's robert maxwell there oil analyst breakfast business with enterprise ireland on news talk Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.